Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Richie. Maybe on Walker. Q. Q! Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. Well, by the time you're listening to this transfer deadline day has been and gone. But for us, we're recording this right after the Crystal Palace game. So it's all still very much happening. And it's like the Sky Sports News HQ in here. There's papers flying around, phones constantly ringing. But oh, Sam, you didn't need to wear the yellow tie. <laughs> well, someone needs to put in the effort, Sean. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting show tonight. So let's see what's on the way. We kick off with Sam's match report as he takes you through the action as Cherry's tried and failed to entertain Crystal Palace. Ugh, I don't want to talk about it. But we're going to get some media thoughts of the game before Sean and I delve in and give our opinions on the 2-0 loss at the Vitality. After that, we'll review today's exciting activities at Dean Court and see all the players that have come in to boost our rest of the Premier League season. Uh, well, we'll tell you who's left and, you know, maybe someone will come in. Surely. Uh, please. please. <laughs> Hang on. Was that somebody at the door? No. Oh, no, it was just the wind. <laughs> well, Bournemouth's next match is against Everton on Saturday. Now, last season, we took the lead earlier on, only for Everton to rally and end up 2-1 victors. But can we secure our, now I tout this every week now, first ever Premier League double? <laughs> on tonight's showing, 
I'm not sure. Uh, this Sammy still keeps on trying. Surely at some point it's going to happen. But before we get stuck into tonight's match, it's time to prick your ears up and look all quizzical as we have three more voices to identify of Cherry's players from the past in... Do you remember? For me, the five years I spent at the Gills uh, was like sort of us coming to the end of my career, um, but I had some very good times here. Uh, in comparison to the other clubs, I think for me, like sort of being from down south, um, I did have like a, a, an affinity with Gillingham, um, and I completely enjoyed playing here. It feels fantastic. Um, obviously, I had a summer summer away, but at the same time, I was really looking forward to getting in and meeting everyone. Um, as soon as I I knew that Liverpool Football Club were interested, it, it was a no-brainer. It was it was the only club on my mind. And um, to be fair, and um, now that it's happened, it's uh, fantastic for me and for my family as well. Most definitely, you know, um, I didn't apply for the job. Um, I had two fantastic jobs, you know, at Motherwell with Mark McGee, where we were very successful. You know, for second bottom, we ended up fifth in the league. It wasn't something that I went looking for, but you know, when I came down and I, I spoke to the owner, uh, I met Sean, and it really, really excited me. You know, there's a there's a blank canvas here, a real chance to do something with a club that's got a massive history. Do you remember? Do you remember? So there you go, three voices from Cherry's players of yesteryear and Sean Barker, I can see your face and I think you're looking a little bit more confident than you were last week. Uh yeah, I've got I've got a good feeling about all three, although uh, yeah, not not definite. It's good, Sam. It's good. Mm, it's you know what? It's it's so easy when you can see the face because all I do is go onto YouTube think of players and I find I find the clips I put it all together and I think that's so easy but it's because I know interesting yeah well we will hear the answers to do you remember at the end of the show as long as we remember but let's move on the Eagles were the visitors tonight at Dean Court and Sam is now on hand to bring you his view of events from the vitality because Michael Dunn is crying in the corner Cherries entertained a determined Crystal Palace on Tuesday night under the lights at Dean Court in a frustrating encounter where both sides were looking to put bad runs of form behind them with a morale boosting win Bournemouth, fresh from their 10-day break, made three changes, with Mings being replaced by Simon Francis, Brad Smith for Daniels and Callum Wilson dropping out for Benekafobe to start. Other than that, it was an identical squad barring Alsop coming in for Federici. For the first 20 minutes, there was a layer of mist at the Vitality, which made the action rather difficult to view, just as well given the dire offering both teams were serving up. There was a distinct lack of tempo from both sides, which resulted in a footballing match akin to the opening exchanges of a chess match. A number of tit-for-tat exchanges, however no big blows. That was until Lewis Zahar jinked left and right, turning Andrew Sermon inside out before firing a low shot along the turf, which came off Boric's right-hand post and then out of play. 
Bournemouth retaliated on 21 minutes when a loose Palace back pass met Josh King, who managed to turn and free some space to fire a rasping right-footed drive towards goal. It did, however, cannon off a Palace defender only to go wide, yet the referee bafflingly awarded a goal kick, a shot which was certainly going in until it came off the Eagles defender. Cherries did manage to gently up the tempo as the half went on, with Stanislas going close as he cut in on his left, firing a low shot which was once again deflected wide, and then Benekafobe had a header from a corner which untroublingly went wide. Sandwiched between that though was arguably the chance of the half, when Lewis Sahar capitalised on a poor Steve Cook clearance to collect the ball on the apex of the penalty area, and after some stepovers and tricks he forged space to drive towards goal, however it only went towards a great Arterborich, who parried the ball away from danger. So, whilst both teams remained unchanged at half-time, the scoreline sadly did not, as Palace took the lead early on courtesy of Scott Dan. The away side earned a corner early doors, and after a failed clearance, the ball met Jason Punchin, who curled into the box, and then a Damien Delaney flick found the grateful Dan, who side-footed low into the corner of the net to make it 1-0. Moments later, Lewis Ahar had a drive from distance which, like an eagle, soared over the bar. Cherries looked on the ropes. No ideas, no creativity, no width, and a distinctive lack of any character, so much so that not even Derek Akora will be able to find any spirit amongst this seemingly demoralised side. The only plus point for the Cherries was that, with an ex-England manager in charge of the opposition, the tactic of sitting back on the lead and inviting pressure was surely going to become order of the day for Allardyce's Palace, and with Josh King flashing a header over the bar from a Ryan Fraser free kick, this seemingly was looking to be the case. So, with 30 minutes still to play, and with the momentum slowly shifting in the favour of the home side, you'd think the decibel level amongst the home supporters would increase accordingly, The away fans even asked the quiet masses at Dean Court whether they'd like a song to be sang on our behalf. I wish they did. But sensing that changes need to be made, Eddie Howe made a double substitution, with Wilson replacing Benick and Ibe replacing Stanislas. This, however, did not reinvigorate matters on the pitch, or off it for that matter. However, a good ten minutes later, the persistent low-level chance for Harry Arter's inclusion had finally been heard by Eddie Howe, and he brought on the marauding midfielder at the expense of Brad Smith, passing a note to Jack Wilshaw on his way, who looked quizzically at Eddie's scribblings before carrying on. So the atmosphere lifted as soon as our £4,000 starlet set foot on the pitch and Jordan Ibe twisted and turned to free up Ryan Fraser and his cross towards the far post met a surprise Simon Francis who, seeing the ball at the last minute, fired the ball towards goal. Not exactly troubling Hennessy in the Palace goal. And as we moved into the last 15 minutes, Arta had the space to fire off a left-footed shot over the bar, and Jordan and I managed to get some room to run to the byline to pull back a low cross. However, the resilient yellow defence were relentless with their clearances. In the closing stages, the territorial possession was racking up like a cocktail bill at the Level 8 Sky Bar. However, the efforts on goal were few and far between, although we did see the whites of Steve Cook's eyes as he managed to shoot low and hard towards goal, but unfortunately for the Cherries, the ball went just wide of Hennessy's left upright, agonisingly close. Content with putting all their men behind the ball, Bournemouth found it difficult to break down the solid yellow outfit. With the only set plays providing any bright spark, Jack Wilshire's free kick in the 89th minute providing Hennessy with a bit to do as it careered towards the post. 
Moments later, though, from the resulting drop kick from the Palace number 13, the ball was lumped forward. Frano played an awful clearance towards the feet of Andros Townsend, who ran clear to cross the ball towards the head of a grateful Christian Benteke, and he had the freedom of the park to nod home. Sermon nowhere, Cook outside the box, and the Cherries' defence once again looking woeful and weak. Now, as the full-time whistle blew, there were a lot of disgruntled Cherries filing out of Kings Park. 2-0 to Palace in a match which originally was seen as a home banker. One point gained from matches against Hull, Watford and Palace, where previously we were gunning for nine. With little time left before the transfer window closed and the perils of some ridiculously hard matches ahead, all eyes would be set on Eddie Howe to see whether a checkbook emerges as the Cherries look to strengthen for the remainder of the season in what could well turn in to something of a relegation dogfight. Well, online at the moment, Twitter and the social media forums are not a nice place to be, so let's have a bit of relief after that with a few song choices. Now, thank you very much to Matt from AFCB TV and Gary Chapman, who got in touch by giving us a call after the game. Remember, you can do so by calling 01202 901048 and giving us your brief opinion on our 24-hour answer phone. Don't worry, there's no one there listening. It just gets emailed to us or voice note us at fans at afcbpodcast.com and we've also got some media thoughts too and a song to accompany them well we had a great suggestion by sean with on and on but this one is from tony tony thanks for listening as ever and he's gone for ian brown with f-e-a-r fear as that's what he thinks we should be doing about the forthcoming months ahead Hi Sean and Sam, it's Gary from New Milton. Well, that was a pile of rubbish, wasn't it? God dear me. I'm afraid Eddie Howe has clearly lost the plot. I mean, what is our game plan at the moment? What is our game plan? We just do not seem to have one. Relegation dogfight, here we come. I mean, I can't see us getting another point for a month. And uh, we are going to be right in the mire. Eddie, you really just sort yourself out, mate. Bournemouth nil, Crystal Palace 2. It's another abysmal performance. That was one of um, that is a performance of relegation standard. Um, we were very slow. The pace was poor. Not looking great on and off the ball. And I wouldn't be surprised now. We are part of that relegation dogfight. They a lot of teams around the bottom starting to pick up more wins now and with the next two games coming up Everton and Man City I've not seen us get any points from those two and that's when it really starts to get a bit um, scary Hey guys it's Mark walking back to Westbourne after the game um, what a disappointing month it's been for Bournemouth. Uh, what can you say about tonight? I mean, just like the Watford game, we've let an entire first half pass us by without really getting into the game looking lively at all. And it's taken uh, the first half passing and the conceding of a soft first goal to wake us up. And credit the second half, we looked decent in patches, we created chances, we were unlucky. Um, King heading over, Francis missing from point black range. That free kick that hit the post and it hit the keeper. Yeah, we were unlucky and on, on another day we equalise and we probably go on to finish strongly. But 
yeah, we can't keep letting entire chunks of games pass us by whilst we only look to pass sideways and backwards. Drew Sermon, I'm looking at you. <laughs> you said such poor form at the moment. Uh, after January as a whole, I can forgive the failure to recruit because it is a tough month in which to do it, but I cannot forgive the misuse of the players that we do have at our disposal. Wilshire, he needs to be further forward. We aren't using him to his potential. Sermon is having a shocking time at the moment. We've seen Smith in at right midfield for a bit. Um, King is at number 10. We've been trying King at number 10 for a season and a half now. How just needs to put round pegs in round holes. Keep it simple. We've got the players to stay up comfortably. If we don't start doing that, we are in trouble. Cheers. Yeah, no, I thought we played with a lack of confidence today. I thought um, we didn't hurt them enough. You know, they got men behind the ball and compacted the game and it's up to us to find a way to, to unlock the door and we didn't do that anywhere near enough and, um, you know, they hit us on the counter-attack a couple of times. Nil-nil, half-time, it, it is anyone's game and we were expecting a, a different performance second half. It didn't come until until we changed system. I thought we looked better for that towards the end of the game. I thought we looked a lot stronger, but um, we missed a couple of good chances as well in there. So thank you very much. As we said, Gary and Matt, and uh, whilst we were broadcasting, we managed to get Mark. There was an audio file from him that came through via email. So uh, thank you very much. Walking back to Westbourne from Dean Court. That is dedication. And we also slipped in there a media soundbite there from Eddie Howe. That was uh, him speaking to the BBC. So after all that, Cherries are sitting 14th in the Premier League and we are seven points away from 18th place. That's where Crystal Palace are with 19 points. And Sean, ah, oh, you know, we are fresh from this. The match finished not long ago. How are you feeling, sir? Well, at some point we have to, I think, stop with the it's okay, we're in the Premier League and we're in the mid-table and start to say there's that things aren't going well. And clearly they're not going well. And tonight, I guess, was just another example of, I think, the slide that we've been on. I think we've, we, we, we seem to lack ideas. We seem to be unable to get behind teams. We seem unable to have our fullbacks link up with our wide men anymore. We can pass it for all we like on the halfway line and we can have Wilshire and Sermon sitting deep, spreading it wide and it helps our pass count. But we're not troubling sides, are we? And we cannot deal with balls into the box. Mm, so two points gained in the whole of January, a cup exit at the hands of Millwall, who've now progressed even further thanks to their weekend win over Watford. It is quite worrying, and it's it, it all seemed to have capitulated ever since that Arsenal capitulation itself. It's like January is almost um, a sort of, you know, that match alone is a microcosm of the whole month, and we are, we are seriously sliding now. And I, you know what? I don't even know what it is. I mean, I know that we've got defensive problems. However, nothing seems to be clicking at the moment. One thing that was a little bit encouraging, I thought, was the way we played when Harry Arter came on, sort of later on. We seemed to have a bit more energy about us, but even still, 
you know, Crystal Palace still scored during that and our defence was everywhere. Yeah, but this is the thing. We can't start a game after 71 minutes, which was kind of what happened today. The subs came on and, you know, we're, we're already a goal down and suddenly the crowd get up and we start having players that, like I, that at least was trying to drive at their defensive line a little bit more. But, you know, it's one, it's you're leaving yourself 20 minutes to try and win a game of football when you've got 90 minutes to try and win it. And two, we've already conceded the goal. So, of course, they're sitting back, which I think naturally leads us to attack a bit more. But we just can't keep doing that and hope we try and get something out of the game. And teams are are no doubt watching us and scouting us and saying, OK, so we just crowd it at the back, keep it tight. If we've got a bit of aerial threat, we can put the ball in the box and we'll cause them trouble. We'll let them have the ball in their own half. But when it gets into the final third... That's when we'll we'll see if they can break us down, and we we can't do it. In my mind, this formation that Eddie's uh, sort of using is, is not working. Um, I do prefer having the three in the middle. Um, Dan Gosling again is being overlooked. Um, Harry Arter, of course, sat out, and I just feel that when we play four five one, it it seems to work a lot better. That's that's what's brought us the most points this season, and. Oh, I don't know. I do, you know I can't actually see where it's going wrong, but there there are just so many inconsistencies throughout the whole of the side, misplaced passes, and there's just a distinct lack of gelling going on. Yeah, there is. I mean, the front the front two, called, you know, with King and a phobie. Matter times they weren't showing for the ball and they weren't coming to get the ball, or even if they did, they just got crowded out. And I'm not a big fan of Wilshire and Sermon playing together. You know, Wilshire. Sermon's always been our link player. He's been the one sitting further back, getting the ball, spreading the play, whatever. Jack does that now. And what Jack also does is, you know, he can drive forward as well, but he can still sit. And often he's playing that Sermon role. And you can see that the magnet now is Jack Wilshire. So if you've got the ball in the back line, it goes to Jack, whereas it would always go to Sermon. And then you end up with this kind of, you know, it'd be interesting to see how many times Sermon and Wilshire pass the ball to each other. And OK, they're on the ball a lot, but we're not hurting sides like that. So it almost feels like we're negating the an extra position in the midfield by playing those two the way that we did. And you did see once Arta came on, who's got a bit more go about him and was trying to push. It just looked a bit different. So now I agree with you that, that in the middle, it's something's not quite working there but then in turn how do we get the front guys to link up and that's the other issue is we're not we're not getting behind anymore are we teams are sitting deeper on us yeah that's right um so to wind back to the two individual goals i mean i know i discussed these on the match report people on twitter have been saying and social media on on vitals all the forums you know our defense needs strengthening and we've had these kind of issues before where there seems to be a little storm in a teacup every so often and there's people that are kicking off and then Eddie Howe uh, and his team respond in the best way possible with incredible results and then we're all happy again it doesn't seem to be happening at the moment and the goal that was scored early on with that was Jason Punch who, who crossed it and then the flick and then the goal um do you specifically blame the defence for that? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm putting words in your mouth now, aren't I? <laughs> it's it's it, we talk we can't we seem to be talking about it every week, but 
every week now for a long period of time, either there's goals or there are chances where there are opposition players in our box who are not marked and have a free goal. That was the case tonight. It was the case, to be fair, when Nathan Aki was in the back line as well, as, as you know, we talk about possible transfers later on. But, you know, so I don't think that's a new problem for us. But still, the organisation, now where does that come from? Does it come from the centre-backs? Does it come from the goalkeeper? Is there some disconnections going on between those guys? People not taking responsibility? Do we need someone that is going to shore it up a bit? Because, you know, I mean, it was... Yeah, the cross comes in, no one deals with it, there's no marking, and it was just... Every time the ball went in the box, either majority of times it seemed like they won the first header, or no one connected with it because we tried and missed it, and if there was somebody at the back post, they would have scored, and on this occasion, there was the there was the guy to stick it in the net. Hmm. Uh, in these situations where we're playing so poor defensively, I, I do sort of analyse, or maybe over-analyse, you know, other teams, watching other teams and just saying how well they defend. And there have been a couple of examples recently where I've thought, wow, you know, incredible. Um, as much as we hate them and there are rivals down the road, the Southampton rearguard effort in the week against Liverpool in the EFL Cup was absolutely incredible. And I was equally very impressed by how the Palace uh, you know, defenders just worked as a unit. I mean, it was just like a brick wall. And the only way we seemed to cut through with through set pieces. Um, there was very little going on. Ryan Fraser, uh, quite often, I feel as though he crossed the ball quite high. And, you know, with the, you know, they've got some tall defenders in there, like Ward. Um, they, of course, have got Scott Dan. Callum Wilson, <laughs> who was obviously on in the second half, was, was never going to score with his head. And you just kind of feel like um, the best opportunities, like, for instance, when Jordan Ibe marauded down the right and then pulled it back. Those are the kind of, chances that we sort of didn't get many of where we got you know right behind the Crystal Palace defence and Sam Allardyce is obviously starting to get them well drilled now why can't we do that well I know and this is the thing is and you know I'm sure we'll probably hear that afterwards we'll probably hear that we knew that they were going to put balls in the box and we'd been working on it all week in training and I know it's one thing working on it it's another thing you know implement it and obviously they were very good when it came to balls in the air but it's um yeah it's it's something that teams obviously are going to look at and look at even more and say ah oh, yeah well this is where the goals are coming you know against but it was you know i mean yes palace did a good game plan and they played it was interesting because when the game started they 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 didn't press us did they at all which lots of teams have tried i remember the west brom game where um pulis said he had to change at half time because we were giving we were getting too much time on the ball and then they started pressing in the second half and got more success. And again, it seemed to be a little bit of a palace. At times they would drop off and then other times they would really hurry us, wouldn't they? But the other thing, I guess, that was a frustrating part of the game but helped Palace was the performance of referee Jonathan Moss, who, in one respect, he refereed it like a game from the early 90s late 80s where it was you know get on with it no we're not going to give yellow cards and needlessly or whatever but I mean after a minute and a half who was it that went through the back of someone was it punching or someone I mean that set the tone how Frano didn't get booked then for the lunge where he came flying in but he couldn't give that because he'd gone Ward and again you know that Ward fouled Fraser in particular so many times and if you noticed it was 
obviously they know with Fraser, the threat of him is when he gets up to speed and he's running at you. So pretty much when he got the ball, they were closing him down. And if they fouled him, they fouled him. But there was even one point when Ward just blatantly put both his arms around Fraser and just held on to him because he was going to be away. But the stop-start nature of the game, because the referee didn't clamp down early on, also did disrupt us. And every time we wanted to take quick free kicks or whatever, we were. But then when Palace got free kicks, it was super slow. And if anywhere near the halfway, they were bombing it in the box. And that, I don't think, helped us. But, I mean, obviously, that's by no means you know the reason and okay on the positive we did have chances king had that shot where he turned a bit of pace and got the shot away stanislas drove in didn't he and that one was unlucky because that was deflected wide um there was the header from king that went over the box arter and then obviously wilshire so hitting the post there were there were chances but then equally for palace i mean they hit the bar and Every time they went forward and they put a ball in the box, you thought we could potentially concede. Yeah, it's interesting you talking about the referee because on Twitter that was um, that was uh, a point for debate. Michael Brannan, Palace uh, cheating, fouling bees. Uh, the ref is utterly useless, and AFCB have started abysmally. He went on to say um, that every time AFCB have a sniff of an attack, a Palace player makes a foul. Hashtag cynical. Yeah, and there was the obviously the big incident or biggish the crowd made that you know a lot of noise was the mm. Fraser and I think that was was that Ward as I think. With the hand to the face? Yes, it was, yeah. Which, again, I know a lot of people were calling for a red and the commentators were saying, oh, well, if the referee didn't see it, there might be some retrospective ac- action against him. But I don't know, it, it was an arm out. But again, was it an arm out just to stop Fraser from running? Yeah, it's an arm to the face. So I guess in that respect, any arms raised should be rare. I don't know. I think it would have been... I think it would have been a big call to give a red in that instance. But still... I'm not going to stick up for the ref. No, and a lot of people are very disappointed on Twitter tonight. And it's we've, we're in that awkward position now where we're sort of uh, trying to filter through and see what is criticism from the side, what's criticism for Eddie, and then we're trying to find some transfer bits. Uh, we'll be mentioning them shortly. Um, Abe Winfield said, I'm starting to worry. Fully expecting nine points from January. February fixtures are not good. We might be in a relegation battle in March. Tom Latcham on Twitter agrees. Make no mistake. Uh, he said, yeah, there is a relegation battle. It doesn't look very good at all. Uh, Dave Watkins, first time Eddie needs to answer serious questions, sadly. Some baffling selections and tactics lately. No transfers in. Absolutely worrying. Yeah, and on Twitter, I was just saying, you know, is is now the time that we start looking over our shoulder? And um, Korsikov, Robbie, has said absolutely in horrendous form. Tough games coming up. Seems to be no reinforcements coming in. And James, which is at Shushine1973. Are we, is it time to look after our shoulder? He is, but he's in the bath, so he's safe. Phew. <laughs> Interestingly, the hashtag, the Premier League official hashtag for this game was Boo Cry, which I think is what most of us are going to be doing tonight. Eh, I think Sean? that's Michael Dunn, isn't it? That's why he's not doing the match report. I think you may be right, but hopefully, Sean, there's going to be some positive news coming through. Maybe over the next hour, there's been murmurings during the day, but I wonder what's going on in the transfer scene. Hi, this is the big un, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to Back of the Net.
Okay, so here at Back of the Net, it is transfer deadline night, so it is still ongoing. The time here is 11.23am in New Zealand, so 10.23pm in the UK. Transfer window closes at 11pm, I think, so we've got, what, 37 minutes to go. And breaking news, big signing. Bournemouth, we have a player coming in, Sam. We've made a big signing. Could change our season. Aaron Ramsdale from Sheffield United for £1 million. He is a goalkeeper who has represented England at under-18 and under-19 level. Made his debut for the Blades this season in the FA Cup against Leighton Orient back in November. He's mainly been on the bench at Bramall Lane. But reportedly Everton made a bid and got rejected earlier in the week. But Eddie Howe has got his man, Aaron Ramsdale, signs. For a minute, I thought he was going to say Aaron Ramsey there, mate. I really did, but that's a, that's a shame that didn't happen, eh? But yeah, it's um, it's actually uh, scary what's going on today in terms of our central defence because we were linked with Nathan Ake and people were saying there's going to be an £18 million bid. I don't know who said that. Obviously, that's come to nothing. Eddie Howe's recently said there's going to be no more incomings barring what you've just said, Sean. Um, there were some outgoing rumours earlier on. The Of course, there have been some actual outgoings but um max gradle going to hull did you see that unfold online yeah well i saw that he was reportedly um spotted at a chicken restaurant which i mean unless kfc's gone seriously up market since i left the uk i can only presume they're talking about nando's um he was there scoffing on some hot wings and um but uh, uh, maybe they're just served better in Hull because it looks like that deals off. I think r- prior to that, there was talk about him going to Birmingham on loan. But um, the one that's kind of seems to be breaking as we speak, which isn't an interesting one, is Mark Wilson moving to West Brom. Yeah. Now, is that is that a loan move or is that a, a permanent move from what you know, Sean? I'm just going to have a little look here. Um, so Neil Meldrum of Melly Daily Echo. Um, I think that's a publication in Bournemouth, isn't it? I think um, he says, how says no other AFCB incoming deals, although there could still be business the other way with Mark Wilson expected to join West Brom or BBC Radio Solon, local radio always first. They're confirming that Mark Wilson has moved to West Bromwich Albion for family reasons. So Mm. um, I believe it looks as if it is a loan move. Um, That's what it does appear to be. But he's going to reunite with Tony Pulis, which, Sam, so with him going out and Nathan Aki not coming in, reportedly £18 million was offered, um, but they've said no. Just can you just do a tally up? So who's actual centre backs? And I'm can we not include Andrew Sermon who played there for twenty minutes tonight? <laughs> yeah, just before I do though, uh, a tweet that's made me chuckle somewhat. I don't know what planet he's on. Owain Bradley, he's a baggy, and he said, "I wish West Brom would hurry up and confirm the Mark Wilson transfer." I won't be able to sleep until I know. I don't know if there's some sarcasm there. I really hope that is. But yeah, so our centre backs. Um, Steve Cook, uh, Bailey Cargill, uh, Simon Francis. I'll write back. 
Well, yeah, but you know, he's he's converted, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't he? Um, Tyrone uh, Mings. Yeah, would say Tyrone Mings converted left back. Left back. Yeah. Um, who who actually play? Is Steve Cook and Bailey Cargill the only trained from birth centre backs? But even then, Steve Cook, judging on tonight, he he quite fancies himself in the number ten position with his <laughs> yeah. shot that all oh, was so close. But um, it yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? With we've been conceding so many goals is the reality. Um, not to strengthen. Now, this might be that, yes, maybe we have looked, and Eddie Howe did say that this has been the most frustrating transfer window he's ever been involved in, but it's the reality of the game, unfortunately, now, and you've got to say that we have to be better with our recruitment, I would say, because Mark Wilson going, I mean, he hasn't been anywhere near the first team, really, has he? So, not the league side, anyway. So, with him going, yep, and well, if 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 Eddie's saying no one else is coming in, then well, that's that's it, isn't it? That's the way it goes. Yeah. So we have lost Glenn Murray. I mean, I know he didn't feature much this season, well, at all, because he obviously was at Brighton, banging the goals in for them, by the way. But um, we've recouped what we paid for him. I think didn't we? Was it three million? But anyway, he's gone. Good luck to him at Brighton. And um, if anything, he provided us with that glorious moment at Stamford Bridge last season so all the best to Glenn Murray thank you very much for that and Lewis Graben this is only in the last hour as well it's developed that he has gone to Reading to join ex-Cherry Jan Kermigan and he's gone on loan so uh, I wonder if a Graben and Kermigan upfront partnership could be forming for the Biscuitmen who knows eh Sean <laughs> what a front line I know a certain uh Bournemouth fan who would definitely like to see that. Um, I've just got to make reference to a tweet. Now, this was actually back when it looked as if Max Gradle was on his way out. It was from Dom, which is at Sir Dom Thorne. <laughs> his tweet was, we've sold Max Gradle and in return, we've wished Brett Pittman a happy birthday. Solid deadline day, in my opinion. <laughs> You know what? It's almost like we're uh, singing from the uh, from the same hymn sheet here because I've got a tweet from the same guy. Eddie Howe admitted we needed a centre-back and he waited until the last six hours and instead we've signed a youth keeper. We are a joke. You've got to laugh though, Sean, haven't you? I mean, given how many points we've got at this stage, I know it's not going to be easy, but you would think even with the players we've got, we surely must have enough quality to get over the line. Well, yeah, but what are we basing that on? Because if you base it on our, not just results, but our form and, yeah, individuals uh, individuals are in bad form and collectively as a team we're in bad form. So that's a really bad combination to have. And sometimes to shake that, it takes a player to come in, a new player to come in to give you that buzz and give you that excitement. Now, as I say, you know, if, if we'd have signed Nathan Aki... And I, I, I don't think he's the finished article yet, but I think he will become a phenomenal player if, if he keeps up the way he's going. But that would have given everyone a lift, not just emotionally, but I think on the field as well. Um, you know, there was talk, oh, well, we need to get another striker in or we need another midfielder to come in. And, you know, I don't know whether we ever were really that close with anyone else. I mean, we've got Lewis Cook 
at some point to surely start making appearances and i still have very high hopes <laughs> it's all because you've got that shirt sean well, i have I got his name on my shirt same... but yeah <laughs> but still you know but it's it's we, you know the the, the if no one's gonna no one's gonna come in in the next twenty one minutes, then if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. There's, it's not like we haven't got um, enough quality. Ah, oh, interesting tweet coming in from BBC Radio Solar, local radio always first. Eddie Howe also tells BBC Sport that the club did not make an offer for Chelsea defender and former Cherries loanee Nathan Aki. So I guess that shows you how much is absolute nonsense that gets talked on transfer deadline day because I was listening to a bit of talk sport this morning and it was rubbish listening. But anyway, they kind of threw in that it sounded like that was going to happen and then suddenly, no, it wasn't. But, but you know, we've got Lewis Cook, we've got Jordan Ibe who... I still think at some point Jordan Ibe is going to come good and his energy of driving forward on the ball encouraged me um, and we need to find things to be encouraged about right now. Mm, yeah, and you may feel as though Sean and I are sounding quite positive tonight, uh, completely different to what you heard from Gary Chapman earlier in the fan thoughts. Um, but I don't know. I think I've just got to this kind of stage where... where you know, nothing surprises me anymore. Nothing surprises me. And I just look at some tweets that come through and I, I just have a little giggle. This is a, this is a highlight for me tonight. Peter Humphrey, AFCB Twitter, uh, Peter on Twitter. The only positives of tonight was Ives' performance when he got on and me getting a junior cherries meal at the age of 26. <laughs> well done, Peter. Well done. Oh, geez, well done. I remember my friend Scott, we went to, um, where did we go? I don't know. Some tiny little ground in the arse end of nowhere. And he was late 20s and he got in under 15. And he got in under 15 because when he went to pay, just before I did, the girl behind the counter said, are you under 15? He said, yep. She said, okay, it's £3, please. But anyway, you know, I mean, yeah. As positive as I guess we could sound, I don't think we can escape the realities of we are in trouble, I think. And uh, we talked last week about our points versus points last year. We weren't that far off. We were two points better off as of last week. I haven't checked to see whether we picked up a win this time last year to take us over our target now. But... Eddie always talks about he wants us to get better. And yes, positionally, in terms of our league position, you could say we're in a better place. But at the moment, our points are showing that we're not. And we are going backwards. We 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 lost tonight, which now means it's only seven points from Palace instead of ten points. Which ten points sounded like, oh, that's okay, it's ten points. But it was okay when it was 14 points and it was four fifteen points. And it's ten and now it's seven. And it's at some point we've got to shift this now. Coming up, we've got Everton and, you know, are we going to get points out of that? And then after that, I think, is it Mad City after that? It's you know, We're in a tough, tough position right now and I don't know right now which way it's going to go. Mm, so as Little Pig AFCB says on Twitter, it's painful being a, a Bournemouth supporter at times, but hopefully it's going to be less painful on Saturday. Hi, I'm Michael Botto, and you're listening to Sean and Sam making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. 
So Bournemouth travel to Everton on Saturday to face the Toffees and Sean and I are going to chew over this one now but whether we're going to win this one or not I do not know. See what I did there Sean? Uh, Yeah anyway enough of the puns. It's going to be a difficult match against Everton who have picked up a number of really good wins in the Premier League. Their last match 1-0 away against Palace, 4-0 at home destroying Man City. That was live on Sky. And then 3-0 at home to Southampton. They did pick up a draw away to Hull at the end of December. But before that, they beat the champions Leicester on their own patch 2-0. They're in good shape. They're currently 10 points ahead of us in the league on 36 points. In fact, uh, yeah, that's right. 10 points ahead. And they are sort of knocking on the door. Man United are five points ahead of them. So they're, they're going to be pushing for Europa come the end of the season. But... It's never an easy match at Goodison Park. I know we beat them this season earlier on, and yes, I said it could be our first double, but let's face it, optimistically, um, I'm not too confident and I'm not feeling great about this match, Sean. No, I'm not either, and I don't... Yeah. The problem is, is that, we, yeah, we need to we need to pick up some points, and we need to because yeah and we need to not concede goals which yeah. <laughs> and that's the problem is we're not picking up points really and um we are definitely conceding goals and so it's not like it's not like we can go there and say we're going to keep it super tight and we're not going to let them have a sniff and we might be able to snatch a goal and get a win but if we get a point away we get a point away because I don't think we can really play that way. And our way of playing, is be- it's so defined the way we play. And, you know, when you watch one game, at the moment, you can it's 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 all the same. You know, it's the same moves. And, and Junior Stanislas this week was talking in the press about how, you know, it's very much the, the Pep Guardiola style where there's lots of grids and lines. And when the ball's in a certain place, every player knows where they need to be and they know how they need to move and whatever. It's almost like that's going against us now because we're so rigid and formulaic in the way that we move the ball. And you're waiting for, you know, when Smith gives it on the inside, you know he's going to he's gonna cut in and then he's going to make a beeline for the line. He's going to come in and curve and make a line and we're going to try and play it. So, you know, it's, there's certain set moves that we're trying to do that teams, I guess, are just cottoning on to. And, I mean, cotton with that with our a pretty abysmal deliveries into the box uh, in open play I think it's been pretty poor for a while and in set plays a lot of our chances I mean have been pretty poor so it's going to be a tough tough place it's a tough place to visit anyway it's always a you know tough place to go against Everton how are we going to shape up I mean what do you think Sam what's he I mean you know, we've we've been dropping, we've been swapping a Fobe and Wilson. So do we say, okay, Fobe, you didn't do it this game, so we're going to go back to Wilson? I have an inkling, maybe we'll see Arta and I restored to the starting lineup. Yeah, I, well, for me, I for me, it's got to be four five one. It has to be four five one, and 
Harry Arter has got to start Jack Wilshire as well. Um, there was a bit of debate actually about Andrew Sermon. There were some contrasting opinions on Twitter with some people that saying that uh, Peter Humphrey it was he was our best player tonight, um, but he's not been helped by horrific lack of movement in invention. But then there was someone else on Twitter. I think it was uh, Mike Brannan who said he's got no clue how to attack space with the ball. An open pitch ahead of him, so he stops and gets dispossessed. Upgrade needed. I'd play Gos. Last time he he played midfield, he did really well, and he he ran the, the furthest that any player has ran in a Premier League game since records began or something. I can't remember who he played, but he he put in a phenomenal effort. I think it was against Arsenal actually. Um, but I would actually play Dan Gosling, Harry Arter, and Jack Wilshire. Um, wide men, I would. I'd like to see Jordan Ibe start. Um, Junior Stanislas, I think, had a bit of a bit of a poor game tonight, and uh, he could be one of the first names on the team sheet up till recently. But I think no, sorry, Jordan Ibe's got to come in. Ryan Fraser's got to sit on the bench. I'd l- Josh King needs to start up front, a Fobe, and then the back four as we would play the back four. So that would be uh, Charlie Daniels if available, and then two centre backs: Steve Cook, Simon Francis. Smith on the right, and then, hey, let's put our new signing in goal. Why not? (laughs) Now, interestingly, Sam, um, this is more breaking, breaking news. We are six minutes away from deadline day being completed. Sky Sports News are saying that the Nathan Aki to Bournemouth deal could still be on. You're joking me. (laughs) This is ridiculous. I think I'm going to be after the According... up re-editing this at about 3 a.m. in the morning before this goes out, Sean. <laughs> According to Sky Sports News, they're saying it could still be on. Now, Eddie told the BBC that it was all over and there was, well, he didn't say Aki strictly, but he said there are no more incomings. Mm. This, this kind of um, it kind of reminds me. This is the kind of converse situation to um, when you you know you're told not to go shopping at the supermarket um, when you're really hungry because then you end up like spending alone. Uh, I think tonight's result may have prompted us to sort of go. Let's just chuck some more cash at this and just see what we can do. And there was that other one about recreate the transfer deadline by going to sit in a canteen for six hours looking at the food and then the last minute pay 25 quid for a pot noodle <laughs> but you know i mean i guess the thing is with with aki is that if he if he was to come it's going to take a huge amount of money because really um if chelsea don't chelsea don't need to let him go the fact we let mark wilson go surely surely we wouldn't have let him go if we weren't bringing someone in at cover so we know Eddie sometimes can play the media a little bit. We know that with team lineups and some of the things he says about injuries and whatever else. Um, blah, 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 blah. So Neil Perrett from the Bournemouth Daily Echo hearing the Aki bid was closer to 15 mil. What's three mil among friends? Well, as I've said before, my belief is that the ridiculous of it is that the money's irrelevant at this level because there's so much money being passed around in the Premier League that whether it's 15 or whether it's 18 we should be having a conversation about how stupid that statement is but it's the reality if we get him for 18 or whatever else but it could all be news but we've got five minutes to go although they don't need to get all the paperwork done do they as long as 
the there's a certain form that has to be signed and then i think you get maybe up to 60 minutes to then complete the deal um sammy it's actually got quite exciting here on back of the net there are three minutes to go now obviously you guys listening at home with your smug face on because you're listening to this the morning after and it's like idiots of course the deal was never gonna happen or maybe you are celebrating. So what we'll do now is we'll just have a, a little pause and we'll edit at the end of the transfer window with the news of him signing or with him not. So here's, here's, the, here's where, hopefully, Sam adds in our, the after the show's finished. He adds in the news that we've made this big signing. So here's Okay, so folks, I don't know what was just played there because Sammy is is putting the show together, um, not me today. So it's up to the gods as to whether Sammy has just told you of an incredible last second signing that Bournemouth have made or it was all nonsense and business as usual. Oh, Sammy, can you tell me what, what happened? What happened there? Can you look at your future self and then tell your past self what just happened? Well, I managed to uh, get a word in with Alex Deutsch, who's actually ahead of us time-wise. He's in Thailand, so he, he actually knew what was going on about eight hours before everyone else did. And um, he, he managed to tell me the ins and outs. So, um, yeah, guys, I hope you're happy with that. Well, we will wait and see. Two minutes to go. But other than that, Sam, so let's move on. We've got a couple of minutes so until that transfer deadline day. Uh, prediction, Sam, let's let's pin you down. So Everton... On Saturday, they've had one less day than us to prepare. How are we going to go? It's very difficult, as I said earlier, to be optimistic with this. Um, If they play 4-5-1, play three in the middle, I think we've got a chance of holding them. I just can't see us getting a win. We're demoralised at the moment and there needs to be a spark. There needs to be a big match against a team just to reinvigorate things if we manage to beat Everton our tails will be up we'll play Man City at home and we'll have a chance I'm going to say we'll get a draw out of it um, they, they've been on a good run Everton but they aren't a team that go on long good runs there's always a, a dodgy match and that could be the match against us so I'm going to go for a two all score draw well we okay for me <sighs> It's it's a head and a, a heart thing. My heart is telling me we're going to get a 2-1 victory. My head is saying we could well ship another three goals and it could be a 3-1 defeat. Sammy Davis is looking a little bit excited there on the webcam. Have you got some news there, Sam? Yeah, Sky Sports News have confirmed that there's a deal that's been put. Well, not a deal, a bid, a bid of 18 million. Um, that's what they said. Sky Sources, Bournemouth have bid 18 million for Nathan Ake. If, 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 if we've got Ake, I'd put him in centre back. Why not? Yeah. So then, who plays right back? I don't know, but Adam Smith's got to play right midfield, surely. <sighs> wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not sure about that, Sammy. So the window has closed. They are announcing that the window has closed. I've got it here on Sky Sports, Premier League uh, TV, BN Sports. Ugh, don't get me started on those guys. But um, there's lots of images of players walking around in car parks with their phones out. Did you notice that the um, the Palace 
chairman was late coming out the second half because he was uh, busy on his phone. Yeah, that's right. I know that uh, Andros Townsend was uh, linked with Newcastle United as an outgoing signing, and it was quite interesting. I've seen the uh, the TV review back, and I uh, should have mentioned this earlier, but there was a there was a sequence for about thirty seconds where Andros Townsend was just looking at the weather, not looking at the match whatsoever. But he was just in dreamland, sat on the on the back row of the substitute bench there, and he was just looking at the sky. I thought someone's going to make a like an online gif about this at some point. I'm going to search for it now. It's got to be. Yeah, I presume you mean Jif. So that was about him potentially signing for <laughs> Newcastle United, I think it was, wasn't it, that were interested? Although, wasn't there talk that we were meant to be look, interested in him back at, was it in the summer? There was talk about that. I think he's a good player. And looking at the way he crossed that ball tonight, definitely, definitely good finish. Hi, this is Steve Persis. You're listening to Back of the Net. So what an emotional roller coaster of a day that's been. An awful match and then the ups and downs of the transfer window and it, it, it ended with a down, Sean. It did. There was no deal. So the Aki thing hasn't happened. Eddie has said that we had discussions with Chelsea. We made an inquiry about bringing him back on loan or permanently. They were denied. And with regards to the Mark Wilson move to low move to West Brom, Eddie said he didn't really want to lose the defender. But given Mark Wilson's reasons, which were private, they felt they had to respect his wishes. So, you know, there's life outside football. So whatever reason that is, you, we just have to accept that and wish him, you know, wish Mark Wilson very well. But yeah, it does leave us a little bit light moving in. And you know, Sam, I even had a, a Nathan Aki signs image all ready to post. I might just post it anyway, just to spread a few <laughs> yeah. cats amongst some pigeons. So uh, moving on to other matters, Sean, a bit of trivia at the start of today's podcast. We had three voices like we did in the last show. Uh, and in my mind, they were relatively easy. Who was voice number one. Right, uh, for me, the five years I spent at the Gills uh, was like, sort of us coming to the end of my career, um, but I had some very good times here. Uh, in comparison to the other clubs, I think for me, like, sort of being from down south, um, I did have like a, a, an affinity with Gillingham, um, and I completely enjoyed playing here. Now, I certainly remember this guy and remember this guy well. Sean, did you guess the voice? Did he drive a tractor? I have no idea. Is it? No idea. Is it Marcus Browning? No, it's not. Ah, no, it's not. No, it's not. Um, it's the one and only Ole, 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 Ole. Ian Cox, Cox, Cox. Ah, old, old 20p head, as we used to call him, because he could have a head in the, in the right direction. But great player. Ian Cox. Oh. Yeah, and then there was this player talking about signing for Liverpool. Here it is. It feels fantastic. Um, obviously, I had a summer summer away, but at the same time, I was really looking forward to getting in and meeting everyone. Um, as soon as I I knew that Liverpool Football Club were interested, it, it was a no-brainer. It was it was the only club on my mind. Um, to be fair, and um, now that it's happened, it's uh, fantastic for me and for my family as well. Mr. Barker, surely this one you know. Okay, let's see if we can stick this open goal away. 
Danny Ings. Yay, yes. Well ding, 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 ding. Congratulations. And voice number three. Most definitely. You know, um, I didn't apply for the job. Um, I had two fantastic jobs, you know, at Motherwell with Mark McGee, where we were very successful, you know, for second bottom, we ended up fifth in the league. It wasn't something that I went looking for, but, you know, when I came down and I, I spoke to the owner, uh, I met Sean and it really, really excited me. You know, there's a, there's a blank canvas here, a real chance to do something with a club that's got a massive history. Now, there's a certain twang to the accent that I think most Bournemouth fans of our sort of 30-something age and above will know, even even mid-20-somethings. Sean, can you tell us who it is? Well, when it first started, I was thinking it was Stevie Robinson, but then he made reference to Sean. So I'm going to go with Warren Feeney. You're joking. No, I'm joking me. (laughs) You're kidding me. Yeah, no, it's Warren Feeney, right? Uh, Mate, I'm looking at you now and you've got your serious face on. It wasn't Warren Feeney. Yeah, that was that was yeah, that was Warren Feeney. No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was Steve Robinson. Ah, oh, that's what I, that was my first thing. Uh, well, yeah, but you should have said that. But he said he said Sean, didn't he? But he signed back in did he, was it Machen that signed Robinson or not? <laughs> well, that that bit of YouTube that I grabbed was actually from when he became Oldham Athletic Manager. But yeah, if you if you YouTube that, I'm not lying, Sean. That was indeed Steve Robinson, our magical number eight. And we all love him more than you will know. And we certainly did. And uh, what a great player he was. He, he he played in that same era as Ian Cox as well, didn't he? And th- th- that was a great side at the time. I was, I'm sorry. I'm still disgusted that it was. Uh, it's bec- uh, it's it's the trickiness of them talking about other clubs that aren't that aren't our clubs. I think that's what threw me. But it's Stevie. Oh, the legend, touch and dive himself. <laughs> now, remember that back of the net, we are a free-to-download podcast, and it's produced from the goodness of Sean and my hearts each and every week during the season. Of course, we're going to be back next week after the Everton game. But if you've enjoyed today's show, now, we want to say enjoyed as in not the content of it, but you thought we were quite good at what we did, please consider a small donation. Helps us to pay for the equipment and also the hosting as well, which is going crazy at the moment with downloads. If you can feel as though you can spare a few quid, kisses to you. If you just go to afcbpodcast.com slash donate, then you can just donate via that. And we'd really appreciate it. Or buy a t-shirt as well, because it just helps us to fund the podcast and make sure our web server does not go down. Yeah, and thank you to everyone that has donated. We really do appreciate Podcasts are free, but yeah, any help you can give, thank you. Um, Really much appreciated, even if it's to buy an Eddie Had a Dream t-shirt, which you can also get on the website. But, uh, yep, we'll move forward. We hope you've had fun during the show. Yes, we've had a defeat, you know, but we've kind of had a few of those recently. We got to bring you the transfer deadline, exciting news, and the news that didn't happen. But, hey, never mind. We will march. Uh, Sean, okay. Sean. Oh, uh, go on. The, yes? N- Nathan Ake. What? No, no, it's still off. Ah, oh, Sammy. <laughs> I, uh, that's it. Sorry. I'm, I'm gone. I'm out. Oh, charming. Well, I guess that leaves me to say thank you once again for listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Beyond Walker. Q. Q.
Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.